Hey guys, it's your crazy ray of sunshine. It's Cheryl rolling with Miss Community. And I am the mouth on the mic of Hitting the Streets podcast show. Today's show is Paranormal Stories. So as you know, me and my co-host, Melissa Eason, decided to get together and do these little mini series in the month of, in the month of October. So as you know, we've already done Murder and Mayhem Part 1. And we've done the ghost stories with our guest last week, which was Natalie Bauman. And now we have another guest. Her name is Jennifer Jensen from Part Paranormal. So we asked her to come on the show so she can share how she got started, um, what was her first case, what was the strangest case, and her research and her investigation and what she does with this team. So we had an amazing show. We learned so much on Wednesday night. And uh, we can't wait to have her back again. So without further ado, please tune in and listen to Jennifer Jensen from Text Part Paranormal. Hey, guys, it is Shell Rolling with Miss Community. And it's my co-host here, Miss Melissa. And we have a special guest here, guest here, JJ. So before we get started, you guys know I have some promos to do, right? So I, it looks like we got a couple of people on. So, hey, guys, how are you doing? I can't see that far. <laughs> okay, so I am wanting to tell you guys again about the Hollow Queen Ball. Yes, the Hollow Queen Ball is Saturday, October the 31st. We are less than two weeks away. Yeek! So if you are coming, please, please, please buy a ticket. The tickets are $22 at the door. It is $25. Really quick, while I have you guys' attention, I want to give a shout out to the sponsors. Sponsors, here we go. And we have a flashlight. Thanks, Melissa. <laughs> Amanda Phillips with Remax Signature Properties. Stephanie Wade, Texoma Specialty Counseling. Larry Bonner with American First Finance. Lee Ann and Jimmy Garcia. Richard and Lisa Fair. Jason and Megan Parks. And Zavonna Arrington with Pop Place 2. Thank you guys so much for sponsoring this event. So I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I am going to go ahead and pass this over to Melissa because, guys, we have a ghost story to share. So we have asked people to send in their ghost stories um, or paranormal encounters to, to us so we can read over at the show. So Melissa's going to take it over from here because we did get a ghost story. As a matter of fact, we've got two from the same person. But Melissa over here is going to read um, her first story. And then next week, we want you guys to tune in because we're going to wrap up the Ira Taylor story. Y'all guys remember that? What happened to Ira Taylor? We're going to wrap that story up and then we're going to read the second part of our local who sent in their, their ghost story. So Melissa, take it away. All right, well, thank you to Maria Boren for sending in her her uh, paranormal story. Um, she was listening to the podcast and heard, our, heard the request for it. Yay! And uh, <laughs> she did the Haunted History Tour in downtown Sherman a couple of years ago. And she said she remembered hearing um, she, on during the tour uh, about a car dealership owner whose property was over near night furniture. Okay. And uh, he was upset. There was a gentleman who was upset with him and ended up shooting the owner um, in one of the vehicles outside the dealership. And she said, she's not sure of the exact details of the story, but she knows that okay. it was something along those lines. Um, and she said, 
she doesn't react well when she's in front of that space. The night of the tour, she had an intense pain and, um, right at my diaphragm. Uh, it was a horrible burning sensation. And it was so bad, she thought she was going to be sick. The friend, uh, Amber, who was with her, um, could tell she felt miserable and asked if she was okay. And uh, when she told her she how she was feeling, they continued uh, away from Knight's Furniture towards Travis Street, where Courtney Mitchell's photography is. Uh-huh. Um, and as soon as they crossed the street, her, the pain went away. And so she she uh, wasn't really thinking about it when she went back, uh, you know, to that area. But she had the exact pain as before uh, during this wine stroll recently. Wow. And um, so uh, her best friend and had asked if they could sit for a minute and they happened to sit near there and the pain returned. So, so there was a guy that, okay. So there was a guy that shot another guy cause there was a car dealership next to night's furniture before what it is today. Yeah. And he was the owner of the car dealership. Wow. Who was, who was killed. So every time she shows up or, or, or I guess every time she goes by there, she feels that sensation. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And what's going to be, she said it lasted longer the second time though. So, yeah. And what's going to be her next story that we're going to talk about next week. What did she, um, it's a, I think it was a hotel or something or another. That yeah. She the Magnolia about. hotel in Seguin. That's one. That, yeah. So she, so she sent both these short stories. Thank you, Maria, for doing that. Um, interesting about that, that sensation or whatever that you feel every time that you're over there in that area. Um, but the next story that we're going to share next week, um, it's a pretty lengthy. So we want to be able to give her story enough time so we can read it over and talk about it. So make sure you guys tune in next Wednesday. Also, we have two more episodes left for this mini series. So if you got any stories, please email me at rollingwithmc at gmail.com. Okay. So now let's just go ahead and dive right in with our guest. I'm going to let her introduce herself. Um, Melissa, actually, I'm going to have her. She's the one that actually knows her and met her. So I'm going to have Melissa tell you a little bit on how they met. And then JJ will have you do your introduction. Is that okay? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I, a friend told me about uh, TextPart Paranormal a couple of years ago, um, and I asked them to come to the library and talk to us a little bit about what they do, and we had a great time, and so I asked JJ to come here tonight and, and be on the show as well. So, JJ? Well, hello, everybody. My name's JJ Jensen. I am founder of TextPart Paranormal. We've been around a while. Um, we actually started out as kind of a family event. Um, started from Iowa and then came here to Texas and because my family had such a interesting experience in a home up north um, I decided that when I moved to Texas that I wanted to start my own group and it was just kind of it was back in 2005 when all the ghost hunter stuff started getting really started you know the shows were popular and we had kids that were hopping from you know roof to roof and knocking over tombstones and stuff so i kind of wanted to start a youth group to kind of help teach responsibility sure but i also wanted to start the group so that other people wouldn't have to sell their homes or feel crazy or whatever so and it kind of grew we've had many uh, members come and go i have a great group right now my son my daughter are still involved my son-in-law now she married since then and then i've got melinda west uh, jason black dd ramsey and um, we've like I said, we make a pretty good little team to get out and do the investigating. So, so really quick before I jump into the questions, um, 
have you always been attracted to this field? I mean, how to, how did you get involved or how did you get interested in the paranormal? Um, we've always, uh, starting from the time I was young, uh, we've always had interesting experiences. And I think it's because we've always lived in old houses. Um, um, we're actually moving to an apartment next week, which is the first time I've ever lived with a, in a box with people in it. But <laughs> in uh, <a> box? <laughs> we've, well, because I've always lived in the country on sure. a farm. But we've lived in anything from like a 1850s farmhouse to a late 1800s Victorian. And so and growing up, I was I was in the oldest house on the block where it used to be a farmhouse. So you're going to have experiences. But when you're a kid, your parents tell you, Ooh, that's not such a good idea. They'll think you're crazy. So um, but this house in Iowa is really what kind of sparked my interest because there are so many things now if I'd known then. So did you experience this when you were younger? Is that what you're seeing at this no. house in Iowa? In Iowa? Well, Iowa. How about that? Iowa. Iowa. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> we're the corn state. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this particular house, I was actually when in, let's see, a few years into marriage at the time. Okay. And my kids were a lot, lot, lot younger and a lot smaller. Um, and we moved into this home. Like I said, we, we lived in an 1850s farmhouse just before that. And we lived right on the Mormon trail. So that's where the Mormons came through from Nauvoo, Illinois to go to Utah. So it was very, very historic there. And people died along our creek bed because of yellow fever and diphtheria and things like that. So we would see, occasionally we'd see Native Americans on horses and then they'd just disappear. And we would see things like little Mormon kids with their little hats and we'd hear whispering. But that house was just, it was just kind of normal. It was okay. Uh, but then when we moved to the Victorian, we had a lot of things to the point uh, we decided to sell the house. And really, it was, was that? It I, was. Bad. I hate to say that was that bad. It was bad. Really. Um, and what I've learned since then is, you know, as we started out in that home, things like keys would move and reappear someplace else, and we had a bowl that actually walked off the side. It didn't float. It walked off the side of the table. Yes. And we could hear it. It was, uh, we had taken, we didn't have a kitchen in that house. It was mm -hmm. actually a butler's pantry. Uh. So we'd taken it and make it into a kitchen. And in the center, we had one of those 1950s uh, islands. Sure. And sure. so it was made of metal. And so sure. you could hear this glass bowl going tink, 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 and then right onto the floor. And my husband, now ex-husband, but my husband didn't believe. He's like yours. He didn't really believe in. Yeah, Brad. Brad. Brad does not believe. Yes, I'm going on record in front of a live audience <laughs> and telling you guys that Brad does not believe, but I do. And and the reason why is that this what you're seeing once again goes back to my family, right? And these stories that you and the guest that we had last week is bringing up memories for me, which I need to go back and capture these stories. But my mom has had experiences. Um, growing up, um, she had an experience at a home and it was an older home and it was here in Sherman. Mm -hmm. She had an experience of where she was getting up and going to the bathroom and they lived in a small house, her and her brothers and sisters. And she got up to go to the bathroom and she saw this shadow back down this hallway and she thought it was one of her brothers. So when she called out her brother's name, thinking it was her brother, her brother was not, that wasn't him, mm -hmm. you know? And then as her senses were telling her something is wrong here, there was a flash of light that she saw before oh, wow. the shadow 
dark shadow turned away. Okay. And it freaked her out. And so she screamed. And then all the other brothers and sisters got up, thought something was going on. And she said, there's a man in the house. There's a man in the house. He has a flashlight. There's a man in the house. So she, all this ruckus. And she got, everybody got up. So one of their old, or my family's old friends, um, wanted her to, to go back in the house because she wouldn't. She had to start staying. She had to stay with a friend because right. she just she couldn't do it. She just couldn't do it. She felt everything. And so that. the the gentleman wanted her to go back in the house because he said that was a message for her that there was something in the house. And she was like, I'm not going back in the house. <laughs> right. You know, and so that was that. But it was something about the light that triggered that triggered, you know, everybody saying he was trying to give you a message or whatever it was. And then there was another incident where her and her girlfriends were at this house, different house, and they were sitting in the living room and they heard all the dishes fall in, in the kitchen. Oh, no. So they get up going, what's going on? And all this, and they went there and not a yeah. dish on the floor. Yep. So I have like all these stories that my mom and my aunts and uncles have told me, but I just, I was just like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But, it became normal. Yeah. So that's why I was know? asking you, did you have any experience when you were younger? Or was it as you just moved into these homes? Was it just that? No, we had experiences when I was younger, too. Like starting when I was just old enough to babysit for my brother, mm -hmm. you know. And it, parents dismissed it as, you know, you're just scared. It's the first time you've been babysitting. But my dad... Um, my dad said, look, there's nothing in the attic. There's nothing. So he takes, and, and our attic didn't have a staircase, so he took this really long ladder, and he stands it up there, and he opens the trap door, and he looks up there, and he just kind of goes, huh. And that was it. And he shuts it, and he said, there's nothing up there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, you know, I mean, my mom, like your mom, had an experience when she was younger. She was uh, an only child. And she had a really old house with the upstairs and she had a, she said it was kind of like a creepy crawl space where they had an oh, attic space yeah. in her room. And she said she, it was Sunday morning and she was just about to get up and she heard her mom holler at her. And she said, I'm coming, mom. Mom? Mom wasn't there, didn't holler at her. She just freaked out, <laughs> you know. So that I would mean. would be freaky though, you know. It is, it is. And it's. That's the thing. When you're a paranormal investigator, you almost have to be a psychologist, like a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. You have to know parapsychology. You have to know science. You have to know quantum physics. I mean, there's all kinds of things that could be, should be, maybe, you know, mm -hmm. but how I, do you say I, otherwise? Yeah, you know? I was going to say, I, I'll tell Brad something and oh, he's got an answer for everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, dude. And so I just like, whatever. And I just kind of keep it all to myself. <laughs> Well, see, and that was the way my husband was until things started happening in the house. And then he was like, I don't believe in that stuff. But he had a doorbell that pestered him. He would go, and uh, this, this house was really big. And he'd go downstairs, and the doorbell would ring. And there was two doors at a vestibule, you know. And uh, he opened the door. He opened the other door. Nobody there. Oh, wow. So then he's like, okay. He did this two or three times going up and down the stairs. So finally he's like, you know, somebody's screwing with me. So... He's like, I'm going to take care of this. So he took the doorbell thing out. It was like a plug-in. He thought maybe the neighbor was, sure, you know, remote or something. <laughs> sure. So he with pulled it out completely, set it on the table, turned around, and it went ding dong. <gasps> and he's like, he turns around really fast because he had the indoor, inside door actually open because it was a solid door and then the outside door was a glass door. So you could see right straight out. And so he... 
I left you know, that door open thinking he was all smart. smart. And he turns around and he's like, <laughs> and that was it. He went upstairs. That was it. No more discussion. I keep telling, I keep telling my husband, Brad, it's like, you keep messing around. Mm -hmm. They're gonna show themselves to you. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to mm -hmm. hear it. Don't come running to me. I don't want to I don't want to hear about it. It's like, you know, they may you might not believe in them, but they believe in you. Yeah. So yeah. did you so how long did you guys stay in the second house? It was four years. So we were there four years and then put a lot of money into it. And <laughs> then it was just like, uh-uh, can't do this anymore. And so at about the same time, um, we, my, my husband got transferred to Texas. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of one of those things where it just rolled from one thing to another. And when we got down to Texas, I was already part of a paranormal group up there. It was uh, oh, okay. uh, Des Moines, Iowa, paranormal advanced research team. I think is what it was called, DIPART. And so when I got down here, I said, hey, Joe, do you mind if I start a text part? Texas branch of Die Park. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we ended up with the name Text Park Paranormal. Okay, that's good to know. So. All right. So I'm going to ask another question and then we're going to take a break. Okay. 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 So um, what was your first case? My goodness. Uh, first case in Texas or first case ever? Ooh, first case ever. And then we'll talk about first case Texas. First case ever. First case mm -hmm. ever, I guess, would be we owned the old, old. I'm sorry, the old hotel uh, that went with the house that we lived in. We just oh. kind of were part of a nonprofit. And so we had this old hotel and we were going to fix them kind of at the same time. So the same man that built this house also built this hotel. And we we caught a shadow man. And it's funny you talk about the light because every shadow man, true shadow figure, has that strange bluish light like bluish white light, mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. a streak right behind mm -hmm. it. And so this particular guy did too. So that was kind of my first case because I wanted to find out who that was mm -hmm. because he had a very definite form. He had like a mounty hat and then the squarish like military type jacket. So, so you could see that it wasn't a shadow. Yeah, you no, could it physically was a formed, see the, everything. Well, no, it was a formed shadow. It wasn't like a blob like some shadows are. Sure. This was a solid mass man. You couldn't see facial features, but it's like you were looking at somebody in the distance and you could see a hat got you. and a squarish jacket. Mm -hmm. And then these jod purse, you know, the, the riding pants they used to the ride. Pants, uh -huh. Yeah. And then, then skinny legs right below that. And then there was nothing. It was funny because one of the branches from the bush he was standing near was actually in front of him and the tree was behind him. So we, I wanted to know, and we had seen and heard this particular person many times, scared my poor daughter to death. Okay. And um, well, she kept staying. We had this hotel needed some redoing, but this they had one nice room up towards the front that we used for our, our internet room, you know, so she would sure. do her homework up there. So she stayed up there late every night. And finally, I, I stomped up the stairs and I said, young lady, you are not supposed to stay out here past 11. Mm. And so what'd she do the night next night? She was like midnight. And so she said, she heard stomping up the stairs and she called in, I'm sorry, I'm coming mom. And so she shut the computer off and didn't hear me. She said, oh, okay. Walked out to that dark hallway and she heard footsteps coming from the very other end. Like it was chasing her down the stairs. And guess what she didn't do from that point after her. <laughs> <laughs> never after dark again <laughs> and so but uh so we did we um i was the uh city clerk for this little tiny town okay. and i asked uh, one of our old residents uh his name was albert and i said albert did you ever know of anything that happened in this old hotel that might have caused someone to die 
He says, besides, you know, it used to be a brothel. And I'm like, no, no, not before that. And he said, okay, well, he was a little guy and they used to take him by the hand and his mom would take him to the dry goods store mm -hmm. and she would get like sewing equipment and he would get his penny candy and they passed by that hotel every day. And he said he remembered when he was just yay high to the grasshoppers. They always said, yeah. grasshopper. <laughs> and he said that he heard two men arguing at the top of the stairs. So being a curious George, he kind of peeked way down there and looked up the stairs and he saw two men just going at it. And he said, mom kind of yanked him and away they went. And they didn't really think anything of it after that until about two weeks later when the MPs came looking for this man. He never showed up and he went AWOL. The story was is that he had come back um, to this town to marry his fiance on a break. And so in order to do that, he stayed at the hotel and he had to ask permission of dad. Dad said no, he didn't want his, his daughter being a widow so early in life. And they got into a fight. Wow. A big fight because I guess they had been engaged properly for you know well over two years. And so I have a wonder, you know, I always wondered if maybe that man in the military uniform mm -hmm. might have been the guy. It might have been the guy. You know, so that was kind of my first case is just kind of figuring out, putting things together, talking to the people and kind of helps you be a little bit braver when you're not necessarily a person who likes to go out and do that in the beginning. Sure. You know, it's funny because I don't think I would have that courage. I mean, I, look, I would want to know. I, I would ask. I would. I would literally ask, why are you here? Like, mm -hmm. I think that's what I would do if I something like that. Just, you know what I'm saying? Yep. It's like, what is it? Or my mind, I always tell Brad all the time, I'm just going to start asking, what do you want? <laughs> you know, exactly. then I'm, I'm going to find like, what are the answers? <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> Make sure you've got your you guys. little recorder on so that you can review well, it later. I have a, I actually have a, what is it? An EM, uh, EVP recorder? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Dictaphone? Yeah, pretty much. But I just like, I just, I play around with it. And I'm like, do I really want to get involved in that? You know? So it would freak you out at first. At first, I think it would. And then mm -hmm. I'd be like, what do I do with this information? Then I think I'd dig. Uh-huh. I would be a digger. I would want to know. I would start doing research and I probably would never let it go. So I was just like. All my historians are like that. I mean, they, my, my, one of my first historians was named Julie and Julie was just dig, 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 dig till she go to genealogy.com till she found the relatives. Mm -hmm. And then my historian now, same way, she goes to the library, she's gone. <laughs> You're not going to see her for like two days. Well, it takes a long time. I've it does. Yeah, especially it's manually. The microfilm. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, Melissa, as we were telling you before, we did Murder and Mayhem, which was the part one that we did. And Melissa has done so much research on everything that has happened here in Sherman, Texas, or, or I should say Grayson County, but Sherman and Denison, where there's been this true crimes that have gone on here in the 1800s downtown that I didn't know anything exactly. about. And she's done so much work that she can give you the location where we kind of can go back over there and go, wow, this really happened here. Do you, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, yes. and she's told, she, the stack that she brought, I was like, girl, how long you been? <laughs> oh, I know. For a long time. Yeah. You've been, no, you've been messing you with this. There, how do you get out? I know. Well, and you follow the newspapers. It's so slow because it's like one day, you know, you're reading these tiny little articles one day, you know, flipping through day at a time. So, yeah. So, before we log, uh, before we log off, before we take a break, I'm so used to saying that. Before we take a break, tell us really quick about your your first case here in Texas. Um, we got called to um, investigate a church, it was an old church in a small um, 
I guess it's, I want to say a dead town, you know, a ghost town. Sure. And so uh, many of the paranormal investigators had had experiences and they wanted us to validate those experiences. Okay. And so it was kind of a notorious little place. And was, we, we didn't get a lot of like photography, which it's hit and miss, but we got a lot of EVPs and one of them said, show me where I killed her. Show me where she put, where I put her. And it was just in response to, is there, because there was a, a headstone said something about someone being murdered. So we just asked, okay, is there someone here who wants to tell us about the murder? And it was this weird guy's voice. And it was almost a whisper, show me where I put her. Show me where I killed her. You know, that kind of thing. And so that was really, yeah, that was one of our first cases. And I was like, okay, you're Give addicted. Me yeah. You're, you're addicted. It's like, okay, now, well, here we go. <laughs> You know, so we've had many uh, private ones, and we we try to not say anything. But you know, sure. I mean, we've had there are so many cases who've taught me some things I didn't know, like you know how much the human psyche can affect their environment, mm -hmm. and how you can actually create your own ghost. Mm -hmm. We had a, a family in McKinney that called us and couldn't figure out why they had stuff moving, disappearing, things happening. Their son was acting out strangely, and we found out that she had moved into the house, had twins, like right as she's moving in, near-death experience, husband mm. almost died. Then they moved in mom who was dying of cancer. They had twins that they had in the same bedroom, so they weren't getting sleep. And then this two-year-old, almost three-year-old, was acting out because he wasn't getting attention. So once we got them counseling, once we explained to them, okay, here's what I think is going on. Mm -hmm. Once the stress level came back down, nothing, gone, no haunting. So it's all in my head, Melissa. Yeah. So. No, it's in the environment. No. <laughs> I need to have my psychic chick. Yes, yes. You well, and don't do drugs. And don't the, drugs do drugs. Are, the drugs are no help whatsoever when it no. comes to spirits because oh they God. will they will come visit you quite happily. Oh, no, no, no. We don't You're want like, any dong, of that. <laughs> okay, guys. This is the first part. We're going to take a pause for the cause. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back. I have more questions um, for Ms. JJ here. So you guys stay tuned. <laughs> That's great. Hitting the Streets podcast presents Come One, Come All to the Greatest Halloween Ball. Join us on Saturday, October the 31st, from 8 p.m. till 11.30 p.m. We are having a Halloween ball and fundraiser benefiting the Texoma Family Shelter and the Trevor Project. Join us for costume contests, silent auction, 50-50, karaoke, and fundraising. The tickets are on sale now, so if you're interested, please send a message to rollingwithmc at gmail.com. Old Iron Post will also have food and drinks available for purchase. So, once again, Hitting the Streets podcast presents the greatest Halloween ball. Join us for a night of fundraising on Saturday, October the 31st at the Garden Sherman. Yay. All right, guys, we are back with JJ and we are going to just dive right back on in because I'm pretty sure you got more stories to tell. Oh, always. <laughs> always. All right. So it's a great story. I know. And the, the last part was, yeah, that was that was a lot. Ugh. Um, so one of the other questions I wanted to ask is 
Um, what has been the strangest one? Have you had a like? I don't. I, lots. There's actually a lot. It's hard to pick. Um, so I'm going to say when I went to Waverly Hill, a Waverly Hill Sanatorium in Kentucky. Oh wow. Um, the strangest thing one of the strangest things I had ever seen. And that was actually the first place I saw literally a full body apparition. Um, I was sitting at the hall. There was a bunch of us there. Uh, ghost hunters could go there and she, uh, Tina would allow you to, to investigate this monstrous tuberculosis hospital. Huge, 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 huge. Is that where you had the picture from? There was somewhere I remember That's seeing. That's in Tyler. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember Jason the picture. Yeah. 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 So we have some really great pictures. I wish we'd gotten a picture of that. But this place was a, it started out as a small tuberculosis hospital in the 20s. And they really didn't build a very big one because they didn't expect anything but people in their neighboring area. Well, everybody, everybody, everybody. So they built this huge facility. I mean, it's huge. I think there was like 40 or 50 of us there and we didn't bump wow. into each other at all. I mean, it was wow. just huge. Mm -hmm. So we would spend uh, a lot of time doing EVP sessions, taking pictures, that sort of thing. And so when we uh, took a break, we would take a break for about once, uh, for 15 minutes, once every hour. And so we would sit there, kind of sit across from each other. And all that would happen during that time is we'd have our EVP recorders going. And then we would have somebody that came through on our um, speakers that would just do trigger words just to oh. see how they would react. Sure. So we'd say certain things to see how they react. During that time, I had a little gal sat across from me and she'd been doing... Uh, the tours, kind of as a tour guide for about, uh, she's just out of high school. So she'd been doing it most of her high school years. And she was sitting there looking at me. I was looking at her like, la, la, la. and then she, all of a sudden she looks off to her left and she just turns pale. And I'm thinking, okay. I look down the hall and this is a long hall. And at the very end of the hall, it kind of curves off, goes a different direction big room down there where they had like church and stuff like that. And then just a wall right here. Crossing the hall is a nurse, like a nurse as plain as day, mm -hmm. huge hat, like tiny little waist with the, the bell shaped skirt, mm -hmm. the pinafore. The only thing was at the bottom of her skirt, there were no legs. She was just floating. So she floats across the hall into the wall, like into the wall. And so that was kind of one of the first times I finally thought about asking the question, why would they, why would they float into the wall? So I asked Tina, I said, Tina, do you have the schematics to this? Like mm -hmm. in the early days. So she said, yeah, I actually do. So as the hallway kind of veered off, she said, oh, this makes total sense because that norm, that normally would have been like a nurse's station. Oh. She said, but as the hospital started filling up and they didn't have enough room and as they're building these wings, they would have to lock off the, the nurse's stations mm -hmm. to put two or three beds in them. Mm -hmm. And then people were crammed in there. They had them in the hallways and everything. And she said, the nurse was probably, probably died before the expansion occurred. Oh, so she was wow. going into the nurse's station. She said, so that tells you the era that the nurse died. Died, yeah. So keep that in mind. When you see something going through a wall, it's not just because they can. Usually it's because that is where a door used to be. And they, so, and so basically the ghost remembers, uh, or the ghost is stuck in that time. 
that, that's yeah, yeah pretty now, much. And that, again, there's different kinds of hauntings. So you may have a ghost that is stuck in time and basically just a residual, just kind of playing over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And they'll come up and they'll be in their clothing that they died in. They'll be in clothing that they thought they were dapper in, you know, that sure. kind of thing. Um, other other ghosts can appear different ways uh, because that they're not stuck. They will sometimes they'll appear to you like. Let's just say your grandmother, your grandmother passes away. She'll come to you looking like she knows you knew her best. Exactly. Right. I, I, my aunt, I have an aunt that I was really close to and she's babysit me. And when I dream about her, she looks exactly yes. how she was when, when she babysat me. Exactly. So I'm pretty sure that, so she, so I will know that that's That's her. right. Yeah. I've seen then maybe your mom would see her a different way sure. maybe is so sister, yeah. yeah it's because i remember my mom would say that my grandma would look younger to her mm -hmm. than my grandma looked to me mm -hmm. so i mean it's just a matter of what kind of a haunting it is what kind of a ghost you're looking at like i said shadow men are just dark shadows you can't see their features and they're dark and pitch and you just don't see through them a lot of times they have that little streak you're talking about yeah it's, it, my mom why did she describe the the this shadow figure it was a guy in this hat like a detective type hat she said and then the the coat you know you could see that he had like a coat mm -hmm. on trench um coat. And, yeah, like a trench coat and then this is back in the 50s or whatever okay. you know my mom was younger then you know whatever right but she she felt like it was a it was a flashlight not that she saw a physical flashlight but it was a light that came around that she saw where it looked, you know, then, then it turned and walked away. That's why she thought it was somebody in the house because it, it was a, a flashlight to her, you right. know? And so, but she described it, not that she could see a face or anything like that. She just saw a, like a silhouette of the hat, yep. a shape of a creature or so to speak, or a shape of an entity that was there. And, and, you know, and she's even to this very day, she said, she'll never forget that because no, that just scared her don't. so bad. Right. You know? Well, and like, there's a theory that uh, a lot of the shadow men come from a, like a wormhole. And so it's like a ripper or a tear. So that ripper or tear might represent what's on the other side from where they come from. See the guy. So the guy, he's a, like I said, family friend. We all grew up together, you know, with, with his family. And he wanted her to go back in because what he told her, I guess, legends be told or whatever the tales are back then, whatever, that there was money in the house. And that's what that represent. And it was somewhere in the walls. That's why it was right in between there. But my mom would never go back. My mom said, you can't pay me enough <laughs> right. to go back in there right. to find out if there was the money. She would uh, not. She That night she was done. I mean, they, she couldn't go back because she kept having that same sensation over and over again. And so she just couldn't go back in there. But but still, there was other places that they that they lived in that had things that happened to as well. So it was just, I guess, cause it was just the older houses. Now the house where the dishes crashed, that house was built over a well. I was going to say, there's instances where we've been called out to do investigations and the people go, I don't get it. Our house is brand new. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of these additions are built in cemeteries, um, burial grounds. Poltergeist, huh? Just uh, yeah, well, kind of, <laughs> but it, sometimes you don't know about it. Mm -hmm. You know, the paupers, the poor people mm -hmm. didn't have gravestones. They just threw them in a hole and that was that because they couldn't afford anything else. Right. And then a lot of times, too, with the... Um, the newer additions, uh, they would have the families pay to move the bodies. And if the families couldn't afford it, well, you know, 
So that that happens a lot too. People are like, "Why am I getting haunted? I have a brand new house." Yeah. You well, know? I mean, I I get it. You know, um, you just mentioned um, ghost hunters. So you have worked with them, yes? I or- at, well, we um, they had a member by the name of uh, Brian Harwell, and he was uh, one of the members of the original ghost hunting. The ghost, the ghost hunters, and so we did an investigation in Philadelphia at the penitentiary out there with him. So it was pretty cool. That would be cool. It was cool. That it was cold be cool. because it was you know we're talking Philadelphia in February, Ooh. so it was a little chilly. But yes. you know that's when ghostly activity really kicks up too. It's really? when it's cold. Yeah. What was it about the prison that they were? Did it they- was well, it was built in like the 1700s, so it's one of the oldest prisons. It's built like a spoke. Uh, like a wheel so it kind of goes out this direction and it's monstrous um it was um a penitentiary built for penitents and so they were not very nice to the people that were in a matter of fact i'm trying to think um he was a uh, gangster um i I cannot (laughs) think what his name is but he stayed there for a little while and they had his cell there and i feel like i remember Uh, yes come on come on on, do you remember when you saw it on tv yeah and he did dude run and he ran with the hat and then they had the hats it said do run from after that i don't remember that was that was a lot of years yes and so that was that was the penitentiary we went out to and it was just amazing though it was just scary spooky the hospital wing and the kitchen area you couldn't even go down those halls i mm. think you can go down the halls now but um, do they do tours there or they just yes. oh, oh they yes. do yes yes it's okay. well worth going to it is just they you know they're um solitary confinement oh yeah there's definitely you could hear things moving around you could see shadows literally shadows around you there is so much going in that place it's just crazy so oh my goodness yeah well i have one more question then i have some other things too that i want to bring up but um my last question is though are some people more perceptive to paranormal activities than others yeah oh yeah um again like i said you almost have to be like a psychologist or a parapsychologist uh, because it's We've had many cases, especially this year, where it's a family-based haunt. Uh, think about putting a family together who's used to, well, we don't have to think about it, but they're not used to being around each other 24 hours a day, and you drive each other nuts. And so when that happens, you're looking at stress and anger and frustration, mm-hmm. and that's a type of energy. And you know we're all matter and energy. The house is matter and energy. Well, everything okay so we all tie together that's how we tie together as as people is energy and matter and you put that into your environment like our people that I was talking about McKinney sure and you create an atmosphere you also have people that are just naturally sensitive you know they're psychic or sensitive again I think it has to do with understanding how the world works and understanding that we're all tied together with matter and energy and when we die you still have energy you know, yes, the body gets put in the ground, but where does the energy go? Mm-hmm. And so I think people, there are just some people who are, maybe they're higher strung, you know, like they see into the more energetic, right? Um, sometimes. <laughs> look at me like that. <laughs> well, and sometimes it's very hereditary. You know, my mm-hmm. grandmother, my mother, me, my daughter, my son, watch. You know, it's just kind of down the line. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can do about that. You can ignore it all you want, but eventually it gets you. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, Did and- you hear that, Brad? Eventually, it'll catch you, <laughs> right? It'll catch up with you. My my, like I said, my husband didn't believe in ghosts like either. It did, didn't it? No, mm-hmm. it wasn't a threat, but it'll get you. <laughs> so okay, so I I remember seeing your group or hearing about your group, I should say being here in Sherman at mm-hmm. Knight's Furniture and a Touch of Class. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, we, we did uh, Knight's Furniture more specifically because they had a, a employee, a longtime employee who had died. And on the security camera, they kept getting him coming in the door. And even though he had passed away. And um, I had had experience with Knight Furniture myself when I was on the upper floor getting a mattress. They had the mattresses up and I think it's the fourth floor. And I was up in the fourth floor and there was a man standing over in the corner. And I thought, okay. So I turned around, waited for the, my husband and the, and the salesman to come up the elevator. And I turned around there was nobody there and there was no other door. I'm looking, but there's no other working door in that area. Sure. And I'm thinking, okay, where'd this guy go? So when we did our investigation, we, we set up cameras and we did have something come through the front door. It kind of was a inky, kind of inky, but it 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 was definitely not normal. Mm. So, and it came from the same area, but the same time as their security cams always picked it up. So, yeah, we we did the investigations because of that. Yeah, my understanding was several people. I mean, yes, well, there were quite a few people that saw it. Yes, so. the the entity, the inky. Yeah. yeah. Well, and because I think they talk about that one on the ghost tours. Too, yes, so. it was very solid, almost solid in some of the the photos and stuff, and it was actually really fascinating. Uh, we've had numerous cases where the employees are long gone, but they're still coming to work. Always, wow. I always hear right? that about the municipal building in Sherman. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, you have so many Lucy people. Lucy Kid Key. She's still oh, taking bet. care of her school. Mm-hmm. I'll <laughs> bet you. Because, you know, those are part of their heart and soul. That's something that they do. It's important to them. Um, and they spend, unlike nowadays where we spend maybe 10, 15 years in a job, they spent their entire life in a lot of these jobs. Mm-hmm. I remember my dad and my grandfather were both John Deere workers. And they were there 30, 35 years till they retired. So that is something that was a regular thing, whether they liked it or not. Mm-hmm. And so there are residual haunts where they just keep doing what they always did. And it's just part of a memory. And then there are the actual ghosts that come back at, uh, um, for whatever reason. Maybe they know? were still trying to finish their to-do list. <laughs> if it's like mine. I'm telling you, especially if you're in a municipal building. I am on, not. And when I die, That's I am not building. coming to work. I am not coming to <laughs> work. Like, I've got an excuse for one. I have an excuse. <laughs> Can you imagine the school teachers? Hmm. My grandmother taught from K to graduation mm-hmm. in the one-room schoolhouses. And mm-hmm. then she went on as she retired to teach and substitute. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine a teacher? Because they would just keep doing that. That mm-hmm. that was part of them. She couldn't quit doing it even when she retired. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. You know? I'll probably be the one still working. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, you love your job, <laughs> if you love your job. <laughs> no, I'm done. I'm done. I want to be done tomorrow. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Have you ever been spooked? Or have you ever been in a situation where... It got tough, you know, dealing with any encounter or even, you know, 
something that was just really off and odd. Not, you know, I know we talked about the strange, but something with you, like. Yeah, that, that house in Iowa that we had, it, there's, there's nothing. And it my my ex-husband said it best. He said, you know, once you lived in that house, nothing scared you because it was just, it had so many facets of haunting. Um, it started out, like I said, with keys that come up missing. We saw a little man that um, would show up on the porch who ended up being in a photograph later. We realized that was his porch, his footman. And there was a guy, his name was George, and he took care of the lawn. And we saw a picture of him in the photograph they'd sent to their friends. Um, we, we actually had friends that stayed in what used to be the maid's room, which was upstairs and near the bathroom. So we always put people there because it was nice. It was warm and near the bathroom. Right. And it would wake my friend up every morning, pow, 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 about three o'clock in the morning, get up, get up, get up. And she thought the house was on fire. So she opens the door and nothing. And it happened to her three times. And then my poor mother, she stayed at the house and I put them in the bedroom, made sure everything was comfortable. Like I said, bathroom right around the corner because she used it frequently. Next morning she got up and she was not, you could just tell she didn't sleep. And Mm -hmm. then she, she went and stayed at the hotel. And she always said, well, she stayed at the hotel because she couldn't go up those stairs. You know, it was just Mm -hmm. painful to the knees. No, she tried to use the bathroom and there were things in the bathroom, she said, and she Mm -hmm. would never tell me what those things were. Mm -hmm. Same things I think my husband saw. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, there's just, it's just constant, 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 constant. And it was just, it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And finally, like I said, four years later, we said, forget it. Gotta go. (laughs) We've done. So where can we follow you on your networks? Tell us um, where can we follow you like on your page and then tell us about your ghost tours. Oh, yeah. Um, Well, we've kind of been slow this year, obviously, because we couldn't get out. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did finally do four tours here in October for the haunted season. Um, But you can follow us at Text Part Paranormal. Um, that's on Facebook as well as textpartparanormal.com, which is our website. We also have, um, McKinney history, haunts and legends, which is a walking tour of downtown McKinney. And what we like to do there isn't just about ghosts. It's a lot of fun. People have a great time. We tell the history and then we tell the legends, like the people who have seen the ghosts. And then we give you the evidence of what we found when we, when we went to these places. So we get pictures, we get EVPs, we get, you know, I'll give you a really funny one. Uh, we got called to the Celt, which I think it was the Churchills at the time we went. And so we got called because the waitresses and waiters said that they were having trouble with forks being stuck in the woodwork. <laughs> Every day they would come into work, they'd roll everything up and there was forks in the woodwork. Okay. So we got called to do that. And so we said, please roll everything up and lock it up. We don't want to see any forks. We don't want to see anything. Okay. So we did the investigation that night. It was quite a busy night. And we put the um, EVP recorder on the top, a new post on the upstairs. And we got several EVPs. One of the EVPs was kind of a husky young man's voice that says, I need a fork. So we obviously made someone very upset because couldn't get to the forks. Wow. So, you know, so we get funny little things like that. We also had one that shouted at the staircase, y'all are crazy. You know, <laughs> ghosts make fun of us, you know. <laughs> That's good. So to we get quite a few get outs. Yeah. You know, but oh. I mean, like class A, you can hear exactly what they're saying, saying and you can tell that's not just a normal person, you know. Yeah. So 
Well, I appreciate your time here, Melissa. Do you have anything before we wrap up and end? I think that's good. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you, so, you much. so much for being here. It's so, I think Melissa and I need to go to McKinney and do a tour with you guys. I would love that. You're welcome to come anytime. We, uh, yeah, and we'll do a private one just for you guys. Yes. <laughs> Yes. We gotta go. Y'all heard that. Y'all heard that. <laughs> well, thanks everybody for joining us tonight. We have our paranormal stories, and I, I'm just amazed at everything that you've gone through and, and just your experiences alone, especially it's with the gift. creepy, creepy house. Wow. It's a gift. It doesn't seem like it at first, but you know, everything kind of ties together, and we've mm. been able to help a lot of people not have thing. to it's run good. away from their home. Yes. You know, calm them down, make the family a family again true all right guys that's it for tonight make sure you tune in next wednesday melissa and i'll be wrapping up ira taylor and then we have another ghost story that we're going to share from maria so thank you guys let me know thumbs up thumbs down how was this tonight i know i have enjoyed it and learned a lot so, yeah so thank, thank you, you jj for being here yes we'll see you next week guys wow what did you guys think about all of that great stories though the story of the keys uh missing and uh the bowl walking off the table i mean some of the stuff that she was telling us it was giving me chills y'all <laughs> melissa and i truly just enjoyed getting to know jj hearing how she got started listening to her you know about her first case and the strangest case i mean just knowing her backstory alone. It was just great to get to know her. You know what I mean? So thank you so much, JJ, for being on the show. I hope we get to do this again because I know there's so much more that you can share with us. And hopefully Melissa and I can get on down there to your guided walk tour um, of the haunting downtown in McKinney, Texas. So guys, if you can follow her page. Her page is Text Part Paranormal. Um, they are on Facebook. And JJ also do um, what they call the guided tours, the guided walking tours, where they take you around of the hauntings that are down there downtown um, McKinney. So please follow her on Facebook and um, check it out when she has some of those events that come up. So anyways, moving on, we have... Two more episodes left of this mini series. So Melissa and I, my co-host, is going to come back and we're going to wrap up the Ira Taylor murder because I know everybody's been wanting to know what happened with that. And then we're going to have another, um, I guess you would say, a mini series finale. Yeah, we're going to be doing that too. So um, stay tuned for that. You guys follow my page, Rolling With Miss Community, and I will keep you updated on what is going on with the rest of the series. All right. So as you guys know, I've been promoting, promoting, promoting the Hollow Queen Ball and Fundraiser. Please, if you're interested in coming, buy your tickets now. They're on sale for $22. The link is on my page. If not, you can buy at the door. At the door, it's $25. It is going to be at the Garden Sherman, the Garden Sherman in Sherman. <laughs> and Old Iron Post is going to be there. They're going to um, have drinks and food available there for purchase. So please come and see the show. These drag queens have put a wonderful show together. I cannot wait. It is going to be 
so much fun and so exciting. And then the karaoke is going to be right after the show. It's also going to be a costume contest. So you guys make sure you dress up like your favorite king, queen, or I don't know, come something spooky. <laughs> there will be a costume contest. Um, anyways, this is benefiting the Texoma Family Shelter and the Trevor Project. So I, really quick, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors who has helped us put this event on. Amanda Phillips, Remax Signature Properties, Stephanie Waite, owner of Texoma Specialty Counseling, Larry Bonner, American First Finance, Richard and Lisa Fair, Jimmy and Leanne Garcia, Jason and Megan Parks, Zavanna Arrington, owner of Pop Place 2. Guys, thank you so, so much to the sponsor who has helped us put this event on, benefiting the Texoma Family Shelter and the Trevor Project. We appreciate you so much. And then I also want to give a shout out to the ones who have donated the silent auctions. Debbie Edwards, consultant of Pink Zebra. Brad Wells and Jonathan Armstrong with Blake Utter Ford. Felicia Heron with Glitzy Girls. Zavanna Arrington from Pop Place 2. Sugar Paws Doggy Spa. Robert Sertic, thank you so much for your donation. And Melissa Easton, who is donating a wine basket. So thank you so much for donating those auctions items. Man, it means it means so much to us in, in this show. And like I said, it is benefiting a local shelter here and the Trevor Project. So I hope you guys can come. I'm looking forward to this to this show. It's something that um I think it's a first here in this area. When I say in this area, in Sherman area. So please come and get your tickets now. Okay, guys, that's it for me today. It's Podcast Sunday. Thank you so much for tuning in. And oh my goodness, my last shout out before I logged off, log off. Thank you to everyone that has been listening to this podcast. I'm over 2000 plays. That means the world to me. I, when I first started this, I didn't know where it was going to go, but wow. So thank you to everyone, to the listeners and to the guests that's been on the show. I am grateful. Okay, guys, this is Shell, Rolling With Miss Community, and I am out of here.